welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing Mexico. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm the co-head of the Americas. I'm happy to be joined by Charles Civil, primary analyst for Mexico, and the co-head of the Americas. Mexico has been very much in the news over the last few months. Investors have been focused on digesting the policy uncertainty related to the new administration's stance on structural reforms in some key areas like the energy sector. Growth is decelerating rather than accelerating after years of sluggish growth. Finally, the financial woes of Pemex have brought a lot of attention to the nexus between the high indebtedness of the company and the need for sovereign support. On the other hand, the broad macroeconomic policy framework has not changed much and the new government remains on track to meet its primary surplus target for 2019. Against this backdrop, Fitch recently downgraded Mexico's ratings from triple B plus to triple B and revised the rating outlook to stable from negative. So Charles, turning over to you, could you please discuss briefly the main factors that went behind our recent downgrade of Mexico's ratings? Sure, thanks Shelley. It was a combination of factors. One that we cited is the continuing contingent liability from Pemex on the sovereign. Pemex's debt is around 8.7% of GDP. It's not included in our general government debt metric. We've seen the performance of the company continue to weaken and we just think that over a racing horizon there's a greater chance of the sovereign having to offer more substantial support to the company to turn it round. And other factors include poor growth performance over the medium term. As you mentioned, we've, we've seen the economy slow. It actually narrowly avoided recession in, in Q1. And I think that's also been exacerbated by trade risks. We had the threat by the US president to impose tariffs on all Mexican exports. Now, whether or not that happens or it sticks, we I think it's symptomatic of a climate of uncertainty in trade, which has really persisted for a couple of years now, and we, we don't really see it going away, despite the progress that we've seen in getting towards a ratification of the USMCA. Uh, and I think a, a further factor would be governance, where we see now that actually Mexico's governance scores, we use the World Bank's governance indicators, are actually the weakest in the triple B category, and really a question mark over whether those will continue to deteriorate or, or improve. Maybe let's start with the discussion uh, on Pemex and the sovereign, which is uh, clearly one of the key factors that you've just talked about. Could you talk a little bit more broadly about how have we been uh, incorporating the financial troubles of Pemex and the support so far that's been given by the sovereign to the company uh, in our rating assessment of Mexico? So we, we factor in Pemex as a contingent liability. It is included in the non-financial public sector debt, which is published by the Mexican government, but it's not included in, in general government debt. And I think it's really an updated assessment of the likelihood of this and the, the scale required that is you know, one of the drivers of our rating action. And do you expect future support to continue? And do you think there's going to be some capacity constraints by the sovereign uh, given uh, the sovereign uh, needs to meet its own fiscal targets. The government has already said that it will not be raising taxes in the near term, uh, and its own capital expenditure profile is now very much constrained. So do you see any capacity issues from the sovereign perspective to provide this support? I think in one sense, at the public sector level, it's less relevant, but I think for the general government, for the federal government, yes, it is that you know Pemex accounts for 2.3% of GDP in revenue, looking at last year's data. Uh, which is about 13% of the total. And so if they forego some tax revenue from Pemex in order to 
allow PAMEX to invest more, for example, I mean that's one of the options, then you know that's a, a significant shortfall in revenue. And then you know, it really depends what PEMEX does with that extra cash, whether it saves it or, or spends it. And under the current scenario, uh, do you see full takeover of PEMEX's debt or guarantees by the sovereign? Do you see that on the cards at all? I think it's one of the options, but we haven't based our racing action on an assumption of what support this takes. I, I think, you know, looking out over a horizon, we're looking at, I think, some combination of higher support, a model through scenario with sort of lower production and a weakening profile of Pemex, or, you know, a, a more radical support plan for Pemex. Let's talk a little bit more broadly about the fiscal side. Um, it appears that the authorities are on track to meet their primary surplus target for 2019. What are the challenges that you're seeing in 2020 and beyond? And what do you think is going to be the trajectory of debt as well? Well, the authorities are guided by a fiscal rule. Um, you know, this could be reworked, but for the moment, they are guided by a fiscal rule that tries to stabilize debt at the public sector level and they also have some other guidelines. We think that you know in 2020 one of the, the factors that goes into determining the, the balance that they target is growth and structural growth and when growth is weaker and when oil revenue is projected to be lower you know that means that they have to you know do, do more just to stand still so they're actually calling for a tighter budget balance in 2020. And just looking at the fallout from some of the spending cuts in 2019, I think you can see that you know the strain is starting to show in some places, and I think it will be it may be difficult for them to maintain such a tight fiscal stance in 2020. And do you see downside risk on the debt trajectory? There could be some downside risk. I think you know it's, at the moment our base case is that debt basically stabilizes, subject to these risks from you know what they decide to do with Pemex in terms of taxes and, and debt. One of the key risks really is on the growth. You highlighted that in your initial uh, remarks. Uh, what are Fitch's forecasts for 2019 and 2020? And really, what is this general dynamic behind the underperformance of Mexico in recent years? So for 2019, we cut our forecast. We now expect growth of 1%, and that's slightly below consensus at the moment, incorporating some of the, the new trade risks. And then for 2020, a recovery but you know, still sluggish growth. One of the factors that's dragged down growth in the last few years is declining energy output. Oil is not a large sector of the economy, but it, and it, but it does have some spillovers. And in fact, if you look at the last five years, Mexico's overall growth has averaged 2.6%. When you take away the impact of oil, it's been closer to three, but the, the triple B median is, is actually is 3.6. So the, the gap is partly accounted for by, by lower oil production. And I'd say more generally, there are a lot of structural issues in the Mexican economy, high informality. There's this pattern where um, there are a few very advanced, very productive firms, but there's a very long tail of firms that, are, that have lower productivity. And something about the system seems to encourage this, this to persist. So uh, even though you have apparently quite low unemployment in Mexico and uh, stable macro conditions, it doesn't also manifest in, in strong growth. So you've talked about the risk related to potential tariffs uh, by the U.S. on Mexican exports. But what about the risks related to the approval of the USMCA uh, in the U.S. Congress? So the USMCA has been signed by the leaders of the three countries, but it is now with the legislatures or close to be sent there uh, in, in the U.S., Mexico and Canada. I think the biggest risks are in the U.S., where I think the Democrats face some 
they have expressed some concerns about the agreement, primarily the enforcement of the agreement. Uh, they're concerned about labor standards and, and so on. Mexico actually passed a labor reform in April as a direct result of, you know, to, to follow the commitments it had made in signing the USMCA. So that's positive, but, but Democrats are saying, well, where's the enforcement? And I think, you know, from a political point of view, we all know Washington is a, not a, very much bi bipartisanship around, uh, and I think Democrats may, may hesitate to pass this bill, you know, and, and thereby give uh, the president what he has asked for. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about the structural factors uh, that are also important for the uh, credit of Mexico. Uh, maybe you could talk about the deterioration we've seen in governance indicators in recent years and some of the erosion in institutional quality that we're seeing more recently. How do you think this dynamic is affecting ratings um, for Mexico? Yeah, this is a slow burn issue that governance scores for Mexico have been deteriorating. This doesn't capture anything that's happened under the present government. You know, there are different dimensions to this. There's uh, security, rule of law, you know, it's not a secret that Mexico has had a lot of problems with corruption, and that's something that the present government wants to tackle. Security is another angle. In fact, you know, the, the figures are heading in the, in the wrong direction there, but the government has yet to roll out its strategy. And I think another final one is, is about government effectiveness, and I think that's one where potentially some of the actions taken by the new government in terms of reducing budgets uh, of independent institutions, they've actually slimmed down the civil service in, in some areas where that could start to tell, but I, I don't think we have a lot of evidence for that so far. So but no major effect on the rating right now, but something that you keep an eye uh, no, going I th forward? No, I think it's something that explains the, the rating level. It's, it's some, an area where Mexico is weak relative to triple Bs. That, that's not going to change, but it's just a question about you know the trend. Does the present government manage to, to improve that, or does it continue to deteriorate? So back to the ratings, uh, so we've downgraded Mexico, but with stable outlook, uh, but what are the kind of things that you're going to be monitoring in the next few months uh, to up to a year? Are there factors that could lead to a further deterioration in Mexico's uh, ratings? Well, we actually put the outlook to stable after the downgrade. I think Mexico at its current level is quite resilient, and that reflects the, the strong policy framework that you know we've we've drawn attention to over the over the years. I think you know if we were to see a dramatic movement in policy, or, you know, something that weakened that policy framework on either the monetary or the fiscal side, then that could be a concern for us. That's something that we'll be watching. And then I think also in terms of growth, that's another issue. And, and how this shows up in terms of public finances, you know, does the public debt burden start to rise again? But I think, you know, we anticipated some of what might take place in, in the action. Thanks, Charles, uh, for your insights. Um, for further information on our ratings and research on Mexico, please visit FitchRatings.com. Thank you.